Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking about copper, iron, and nickel as we continue our journey into the micronutrient world. Our spotlight today, we're going to look at some nitrogen fixation products possible, possibly coming for Inferro. Egg History Minute, we'll talk about fertilization and foliar feeding. And our cool beans, that's current, or that's corny. We'll ra- wrap it all up with some current events. So with me today are Bill Schaubert. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd will be joining us shortly, and I am Matt Brueger, all with Tilf Agronomy. So here we are, big week, big week. Rogers is hanging around. He's back. He's hanging around this town. He's back. We don't know exactly the deal. There's a lot of speculation. He's denied what's been reported, but but he didn't deny that he wasn't coming back. So we no, right, know. he said he was he coming said back. He's coming back. Right. Yep. We know that for sure. So that's a good thing. I don't care. I mean, if they if they, if they can structure it right, I mean, the the talk is like three to four years. He's going to retire by then, right? Right. I don't even know if he'll. Live but out the full four years if, of the contract. Especially yeah. if they win a Super Bowl. You would figure a four-year contract, it means he's playing it out in Green Bay and he's done. Right. right. Or, which I would doubt this because I'm sure he has a no-trade clause, or we get him for a year and then we trade him. Right. Yeah. Devontae's franchise tagged for now, so we'll see where that, that goes. That's just time, right? They just right, they're just buying time. time. Did yeah. he sign his franchise tender? Like, did he I, agree to the I franchise tender? I think so, yeah. Yet? They didn't say he didn't, okay. so... Um, yeah, usually that's it comes out pretty quick if there right. there's any issue with that. I would think that that was all like before Rogers' decision came out. This was all the like here's the plan, Aaron and yeah, I Devante, would This is what we're gonna do after you know what a year and a half ago and all the or two years ago the whole hubbub. Right, I'm sure they were talking to both of them at the same time. Like, yeah, so I was pretty sure we weren't getting one without the other. Yeah, I was pretty much convinced. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought we could have one, or I thought we could either get them both or lose them both. I kind of doubted you. I doubted Devontae would want to hang around to get catch the ball from Jordan Love. You know, right? And the expected shakeup. I mean, we knew this was going to happen, but didn't know where it was going to fall. That's the unexpected shakeup? No, I I think everybody knew he was leaving Seattle, but we didn't know where he was going to end up. And Denver is his new home. You don't see trades for quarterbacks like that? Well, now in the last couple years, we've seen two really nice big ones, but normally you don't see teams don't have the capital or aren't willing to give the capital to take a quarterback like that. No, and you you knew it dropped so fast after everything came out with Rodgers. Seattle was just waiting, like, what are you going to do, Aaron? And then, boom, it happened. you got to wonder if that was the same package that was offered for Rodgers. Yeah, because there was, what, four players involved in that? Two, a couple number ones, I think. And, yeah. Yep, some number ones. So they, they got Drew Locke, Noah Fant, and a D-lineman, and I can't think of his name. It sounds like he's pretty good. Yeah, he is. He's He's good. So... So Drew Locke thought he was going to go catch passes for somebody else, and then he has to go catch passes from Drew Locke. No fan thought he was yeah, going to get no passes. Yeah, no fan. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yep. No fan. He's like, oh, I'm going to go somewhere else. New quarterback. Oh, same nope, quarterback. Same guy. Yep. So we'll see. 
Carson Wentz got traded. That was good. Saw that one coming a mile away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't didn't expect it to be the Commanders necessarily. But really? Uh, well, they were they were big borrowing and stealing for anything they could get. So, yeah, they were saying that Commanders basically spammed every team. Like, hey, we're looking for a quarterback. Whatever one you'll give us. That I thought Carson Wentz was the perfect. So, like, so what does that I, mean? I would have thought Jimmy G would have had a the poetic justice for there. the Commanders to have Carson Wentz. Yeah. What does that mean for the for Indy now? They're going to trade for Jordan Love. <laughs> yeah, presumably, they're going to either try for Jimmy G, Jimmy or, G or somebody like that or draft and develop. I don't yeah. know. I mean, you'd hate with Jonathan Taylor there right. to, to have a, a a new a cold hand you know, behind the center. But They've got a got good offensive line. for yeah. Mason Rudolph, maybe. They'll work out a trade yeah. with the Steelers. I think they would draft before they would go after Mason. Blake Bortles is still hanging around there somewhere. I heard someone say that draft experts are saying that Jordan Love is better than it. Now, obviously, because he's been in a year, the league a couple years, but even back then, he's better than any quarterback in the draft now. So, sure. Maybe that'll. Yeah, I mean, he's got a few, some game experience now. All right. You know, not, All right. Still not a ton. But are you trading him for a second round pick? Probably that's all you're going to get, I would think. I mean, obviously a one would be ideal, but... Indy calls tomorrow and says we'll give you a second and a seventh. Do we t- do we take it? I think you do. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. The only the only problem with this whole scenario is the worst time to need a quarterback. To try to find a quarterback is when you need a quarterback. So they better have a something in the next two years when Rodgers truly decides to hang it up. We do. Kurt Bankert. <laughs> Oh, Quick Trip does. There you go. All right, and the sound that we'll never get sick of. Selection Sunday is coming up. Handful of days away. Yeah, next week the tournament will begin. and Next week at this, and right in this Time frame, it'll be full bore. Yeah. It's a great time of year. <laughs> Those The Thursday and Friday are like almost my two favorite days of the year because it's like from 11 in the morning until bedtime. It's game, 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 game. You're talking about all we do is work. Yeah. Product, productivity is going to drop a lot this next week for yeah. for a lot of places. But How many brackets do you do, Max? Um. Usually like two or three. Depends how many I get invited to, you know, the bracket pools. Do you do like a heart one and a head one? Like this is like I'm going to pick Wisconsin to go to the final four because of my heart. And then you pick another one like, nah, they're, I'm stupid thinking that. And then you pick a smart one. I almost always talk myself into Wisconsin being better than they are. Yeah. So. Been there. Yeah. How much, how much did the Nebraska game affect how you would... Yeah, not much not for much. me. I mean, I think they came off, the Badgers came off the high of just Tuesday of just, you know, the last buzz, you know, the shot, the court storm, big cat on the stage, trophy, all that. Well, and, and Davis was hurt. And yeah, I think they win that game if Davis doesn't get hurt. If he stays in the game, they win that game going away because they're up 10 with eight minutes to go-ish. Yeah, it was... It was interesting looking at the box score because I, I missed some of the game and I was looking back like just trying to see what the progression through the game was. Yeah. It really wasn't like a you know a runaway 
Nebraska was up by, by 10 or 12 or 14 at one point, and then yeah. the Badgers got it within four at half, which I'm like, well, that's then that's doable. Right. And then uh, we got we were driving, and I got home, and we were unpacking the car, and my son flipped a game on it, and I'm like, 10? They were up by 10, you know, and then they really didn't score after that. So yeah. Davis is going to probably get a few buckets somewhere at that point. So Right. You, you would think, yeah, that would make a – Enough of a difference to at least make it more tenable, but yeah. So I think it was Nebraska's probably maybe not something to prove, but they obviously wanted to finish the season well, and Wisconsin maybe thought they could just get out of bed and right, kind of glide through it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and they just didn't. So and it, I don't know that it's really going to affect anything. I no, I would agree. I kind of hope they get whatever seed will get them in Milwaukee. Three, three, three. Yeah, which I think winning. Winning the Big Ten outright and then doing whatever they do in the Big Ten tournament probably gets them a two mm-hmm. or a one. So I think maybe losing might be what they need to be a sure. three. I, I just don't see how they get a one. I don't think they get a one. Cause well, if they won the Big Ten tournament then, win the Big Ten season outright, then win Big Ten tournament, they would have got close, I think. Yeah, probably. Especially with like all those teams losing, too. When the right, right, it was a lot of top-end like, drop. The top right there, up there too. Yeah. yeah. So but. it'll be fun. Yeah. See where they. It's and as much as it is about the seed, it's more about who they have to play too. Right. right. Like yeah, who's in the bracket? You know, Dave, corner of the bracket. Year Davidson. It's like ooh, Davidson, big deal. Well, then Steph Curry lights him up. Yeah, we so, all found out what Steph Curry was that day. Right. Yep. So I think it's about who they have to play too, and. Yeah, and well, and every year some team will get hot. That becomes the Cinderella story, and right starts making a run. Sister Jean, Sister Jean, <laughs> Sister Jean v Big Cat. Sister Jean, that'd be fun. So, be good. all right, all right. You guys ready to get into today's topic? Let's do it. All right. So today we're talking about iron, copper, and nickel. So not not ones I think that are anywhere near the top of the conversation when you talk about micronutrients unless you're you're seeing a, a severe issue iron probably out of the three is is the bigger of those three especially after the last handful of weeks all those were high priority right yeah i mean you knew you'd probably heard talk about them in some capacity at, at some point but now we're starting to get to the bottom end of the ones that either we we don't really do anything about or haven't had to do anything about and um, not to say that they're not important, but they're, you know, just the, somebody's got to be last. There's got to be the lower tiers, and, and we're getting down Somebody there. in Minnesota right now is screaming at their... Right, yeah, and, and if we were in Minnesota, player. it would make a big difference. So, um, first, we're going to talk about the iron... We've got iron is a micronutrient that is actually pretty important when it comes down to it. Of all the micronutrients, iron is needed in the greatest quantity, and its availability is dependent on pH big time. I mean, a lot of these micronutrients and regular nutrients are, but um, you know, it's very pH dependent. So your, your soil, it's not just what kind of soil you have, but the pH that you're getting as well. So iron is a constituent of several enzymes, 
and some pigments and assists in nitrate and sulfate reduction and energy production within the plant. So that powerhouse of the cell, you need energy production, so iron is important for that. Although iron is not used in the synthesis of chlorophyll, it's essential for its formation due to the green pigment in the leaves. So it's, it's still pretty important. Iron deficiency is expressed as intervenal chlorosis, which we've mentioned that $10 word before. Uh, the new, usually on the new leaves, leaves are yellow with the green veins. So it comes down to looking at what kind of plant tissue changes you're seeing. And if you get that intervenal chlorosis and the, the veins are green, it could be iron. Like we said, not something we see big around here, but Minnesota in particular, they have issues. Yeah, normally you are obviously soybeans, right? That's our big yep. our big yep. bugaboo with those guys. So um, not much, something here in, in Wisconsin we deal with really at all, I don't think. No, I would say it's almost <clears throat> the other end where we get weird tissue tests sometimes where the iron's like super high. I was going to say we get buildup of heavy metals versus a... Right. Because we and that's mostly due to paper waste. You guys correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's where we, I seem to notice it the most is when we're dealing with paper waste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, not not a big deficiency we see here or anything that um, that Wisconsin growers typically have to deal with a lot. So then our next one in line here is copper. So this one's another one we see uh, more of a build-up issue. There was some talk about foot baths and some of that. I think we've mentioned that in the podcast before, um, but not really a big deficiency one. So copper is required for many enzymatic activities in plants and for chlorophyll and seed production. Deficiency of copper can lead to increased susceptibility to diseases like ergot in small grains. Do you so, know what ergot is, Matt? I do. It's the stuff that supposedly made everybody go crazy in the Salem witch trials. <laughs> I, I've seen it actually on, um, especially on like barleys and stuff. Yeah, it looks like a big, big black, know, big black scab kind of. It's almost like the instead of having a kernel there, it's the kernel's black and it looks like a turd. Right. Yeah. When you, well, if you think about like white mold, what it makes soybeans right. turn into, that's kind of what it does for Same wheat thing, yep. or grain or rye. But yeah, rye, I've seen enough or gotten rye, um, especially guys that use bin run seed mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. let it go for production because they're going to grow their own cover crop seed. And then you get yep. a lot of. I see it too a lot, like in wheat fields or trit fields. You know, it seems like we've got a lot of cross contamination now. Yep, and it it seems like that that um, volunteer rye that's in some of those fields gets it a little bit heavier too. Yeah, I would agree. But copper doesn't cause the copper deficiency doesn't cause it; it just makes it more susceptible. So just because you have ergot doesn't mean you're deficient in copper. Um, so copper deficiency is more common in cereal grains. Um, if you're copper deficient soil, the amount of copper 
available to plant white <clears throat> varies widely. Uh, so copper in the soil is held within clay minerals as cation and in association with organic matter. So when you're looking at deficiency symptoms, there's uh, different conditions that <clears throat> you'll see cause copper deficiency. So if it's organic matter, copper deficiencies often occur in soils with peat and high concentrations of organic matter. When you're looking at your texture, sandy textured soils are more likely to be copper deficient than loams or clays. And pH, soils that contain greater amounts of oxides and carbonates tend to have low available copper. So soils with a pH of 7.5 or greater should be monitored when crops are sensitive that are sensitive to copper are grown. So, And I would say for that is a problem, Matt, with our soils and, and Max's. We are seeing pHs rise a little bit. So yeah, something, something to, we could be looking at in the future. To keep here, your yeah. eye, eye out for. The other thing I'll say about copper, you were talking about foot baths and, um, a, you know, a shout out to the agronomists out there that are taking manure samples. I know we did in our company a couple years ago, and maybe we do this every year, but the last time I saw the data, the lab had kind of put all of our manure samples on a huge spreadsheet, and then we could kind of sort by whatever we wanted to. And one parameter was copper, and we found one or two farms that actually just exploded to the top of the chart and were above everybody else on on copper so you could have those conversations with with that farm and say like who what's going on here why is why is your copper so high are you doing something different with your foot bath are you changing it out more or yep. just not managing it properly just throwing a lot of pipe out in the out in the right pit, you know <laughs> did you take down an old house and throw your old uh drinking pipes out there or what'd you do yeah you asked for ammonium sulfate, and they sulfate, and they actually gave you copper sulfate. Yeah. What, what happened? The, the, what is it? The um, the little packets that you can get your kids for around the campfire. Oh, you yeah, throw on the, the fire green. Yep. Those, all, those are all copper. It's co- Yeah, usually like if you put a copper tube inside a uh, garden hose, you yep. throw it in there. That that'll get you the the different colored flames. But uh, yeah, so copper again, another one that. Um, like we said, isn't a huge deal here in Wisconsin, but maybe uh, as we see those pHs creep up in some fields. And then, of course, lastly, we have the nickel. Nickelback? You got me Nickelback? All right, fine, they'll do. Boys, get them in there. Nickel. So yes, Nickel is back. Not not necessarily the band Nickelback, but nobody likes them, do they? They're the butt of a lot of jokes. Not saying I like them, Max. <laughs> I play a lot of Nickelback. You guys, two two of the three songs here are in my. If you looked at my Touch Tunes app on my phone. Which is the jukebox? Yep. You know that's two of my top plays. Copperhead Road in this afternoon by Nickelback. Yeah. <laughs> not uh play those a lot at the local establishments. Not Iron Man. Not Iron Man doesn't make it in the doesn't make the cut. No, it's all right. We used to play that one a lot for Pep Band. Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So function of nickel. Nickel is a component of some plant enzymes, most notably urease, 
which metabolizes urea, nitrogen, into usable ammonia within the plant. So without nickel, toxic levels of urea can accumulate within the tissue and cause necrotic lesions on the leaf tips. In this case, nickel deficiency causes urea toxicity. So nickel is also used as a catalyst in enzymes used to help legumes fix nitrogen. There is evidence that nickel helps with disease tolerance in plants as well, though it's still unclear why. So uh, nickel deficiency out of all these is probably the most unlikely. It's unusual. It's often misdiagnosed, as usually there's no symptom in the plant when you are nickel deficient. So what does a deficiency look like? If it's minor, nothing, um, but it can cause the plant to get stunted. Significant nickel deficiency will display visual symptoms, usually in the old leaves of the plant, as nickel is somewhat mobile. Deficiency symptoms in legumes are exhibited as whole leaf chlorosis along with necrotic leaf tips. So so it's going to do what it can to grab the nickel and put it to the new, the new leaves, right? Right. So yeah, it's that this one out of all of them, you know, they're like we said, iron's probably the most important, whereas nickel's probably the least because it we just don't see issues, especially in Wisconsin. And I don't know that any state comes to mind when, no. when I think about nickel deficiency. Like there's nobody that I I can think of. You know, a lot of the other micronutrients, yeah, we see it a lot, but that one not so much. Um, so we've talked about, you know, iron, copper, nickel, both iron and copper immobile in the soil and immobile in, in the plant. So you're not really going to change much. Another reason why they typically aren't considered as important. Uh, nickel is more mobile in the plant and it is somewhat mobile in the soil. So uh, you're typically not going to lose these if they're in the soils. They're not as, not like your sulfurs, your nitrogens where, you know, the potential to for losses there. And really, the you know, we don't soil test typically for these. It's just not... Even when we run a micro sample, nickel is not generally included no. in your standard. Right. Iron and copper are. Yep, yep. But yeah, nickel just doesn't, doesn't make its way to the... Is nickel on the standard tissue test? Is it on there? I think it... Uh... I don't think so. I don't think so. Nope. Yeah, so you'd have to be really, really sure it was nickel deficiency <laughs> to even get a get a specialized test. I would imagine. I don't. I've never tested anything specifically for nickel, so I don't know what, where you'd go with that. So depending on the the crop, your tissue test ranges for for these in particular. We've got iron and copper, iron to be. Uh, alfalfa, 30 to 250 parts per million in, in the plant, 50 to 250 for field corn, uh, and that varies a little bit during the season, so the later in the season that goes down a little bit. Soybeans for iron, looking at 50 to 300. Wheat, around 25 to 200, or a little bit more if it's closer to heading, so yeah, just not a lot of you range be, there. Looks to me like a general number is two hundred. Yeah, hundred to two hundred is probably pretty 200, good. hundred, you're sitting good on pretty much any crop. So that'd be a number to to zone in on. Yep, and copper too. You know, they're 
It's on the lower end, 3 to 30 in alfalfa, 5 to 20 in field corn, 3 to 15 as you get later, 3 to 7.5, so it really drops by the end. 15 to 20 is really your range there. Yep. And then, yeah, like we said, nickel, there's not really even a sufficiency range there for nickel. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just we don't want to say they're not important because obviously as we talked, they play a part in plant development, but these are the ones that are, you know, the least likely to be your issue outside of areas like Minnesota, where you may have specific soils that lack these nutrients. Yeah. And I bet you, if you get in those areas, you're going to know and you're going to watch for those and you're probably soil testing heavier for those, or you're getting, um, tissue samples to know what to do. Yeah. Um, and if you've really never had an issue, probably not going to have one. Yeah, like, I don't know if it was you or Max who said it before, that Minnesota's probably screaming at us when we're talking about this. Yeah, in those areas, it's, it probably is more common to talk about. But, um, you know, they're still there, still necessary, um, still part of the system, still make the, the plant work. So there you go. Iron, copper, and nickel all still play important function for your plants, but uh, as far as managing them, there's less concern about needing to manage them unless you're in an area that has a specific deficiency in the soil. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So AMVAC and Azotic North America are collaborating to develop N-fixation products for Simpass Applied Solutions. That's a lot of acronyms and stuff going on in that sentence. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this before, so the idea of nitrogen fixation um, for corn. There's kind of a, I don't know, what would you guys call it, like a snot that we've seen <laughs> talked about in different yep. uh, different academic presentations that uh, allows nitrogen to kind of fix its, or uh, corn to fix its own nitrogen, not nitrogen to fix its own corn. And so they're looking at uh, coming up with that type of product for Inferro. So Invita is a naturally occurring food-grade bacteria that allows uh, nitrogen fixation. So farmers may apply Invita Inferro to multiple crops, including corn and soybeans. I think corn out of those two is probably the more important one. We know soybeans fix their own nitrogen and usually don't have too many issues with it. I suppose if you were in an area that you were having problems with nodulation, that might be something to consider. There's definitely some strong believers in nitrogen on beans, but... Yeah. yeah. And I'm not against nitrogen on beans, but, I mean, they they do the work. Yep. So Especially, especially in a year like we're, we're setting up for, probably. Right, skip with it prices today, on. yeah. You would, n- would not need it. Uh, so unlike rhizobia, Invita starts to fix nitrogen very quickly and lasts all season, according to the company. So be something to put out there that you wouldn't necessarily worry about losing, I guess, is what they're saying. It'd be there to help you all season long. So kind of a neat thing. All right, now we'll move into our Ag History Minute for today. By the way, Matt, you're doing a great job on the board today with Todd's absence. Oh, thank you. Double double dutying. I am double dutying. All right. Our Ag History Minute today. 
talk about fertilization and foliar feeding. So while the use of bone meals, manure, and other substances to enrich the soil have been practiced for centuries, the true science of fertilization, improving soil quality to improve plant health and vitality, really began in the 1800s. The agricultural revolution, along with advances in chemistry, allow growers to identify deficiencies both in the soil and the plant and address those deficiencies through the addition of nutrients. H.B. Tukey was head of Michigan State University's Department of Horticulture in the 1950s. He worked with S.H. Whitwer, and they demonstrated a foliar feeding application can be effective. They used radioactive phosphorus and potassium and applied it to foliage. Using a Geiger counter, they were able to observe absorption, movement, and nutrient utilization. Nutrients were transported at a rate of about one foot per hour to all parts of the plant. A spray enhancer called a surfactant. You guys probably heard that one before, right? Can't say I have. Nope, never <laughs> heard that one before. Never heard of a surfactant. <laughs> nope, nope. Doesn't work. <clears throat> Don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> Can help nutrients stick to the leaf and then penetrate the leaf's cuticle. So a fuller application may be able to avoid the problem of leaching into the soils for certain nutrients. Uh, foliar applications of phosphorus, zinc, and iron generally have better benefit in comparison with soil-added products, though because they can become, uh, especially phosphorus, fixed in a form inaccessible to the plant, whereas zinc and iron are less available. So it's just something, you know, we get a lot of disagreements over how well they work or what, you know, how much money you should spend on some of these products, but... Um, the chances are it's doing something. So I know you guys, big foliar guys. Yeah, in the, in the right scenario, I think it has to be has to be done. Yep, <laughs> I'll say there's a lot of disclaimers with them. Put it that way. Right. Yeah. No. I, I their salesmen are good. I'll <laughs> give them that. Their salesmen are good. I think if you get one you like and and you've proven that it works and you've done the trials and not just like, oh, hey, yeah, it works. Yeah. yeah, You guys can't see, but I'm pointing at Bill very emphatically <laughs> right now because he's hitting the nail on the head. Like, if you find one you like and it works, use it. Like, don't, don't, just, don't just do it because a salesman was on the front porch and promised you an extra 10 bushels. Right. And, and when you do try it, please, please, please do a check strip. Check yeah. strip please. Preferably in the same field. Right. Yes. Be good. Don't, don't do it on the other side of the farm. Same field. Same field. Uh-huh. And and if you, if you have like something in your sprayer that you can market, that always works good too. So that yeah. when you come back to harvest, maybe you can find it a lot easier. Another thing that you know we should try and do most of the time. Now I'm sure there's some people that still like to spray them regardless of what the test results say because they just feel more comfortable. But you know, yeah, and I think with the way prices are now, that's going to be happening more and more, right? Because yeah, per bushel, it's going to cost you less now to do these things, right? Well, and I think the micronutrients cost-wise haven't gone up right. much. So if we can, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. And it is just kind of a one of those things, like we said, if you're going to try them, try them on the farm, do check strips, go follow it to yield. Don't just assume because the plant looks pretty that it's it's doing something. So. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast and tell a farmer friend. We know that, obviously, if you can hear this, you're listening to us. So please spread out, tell your friends. If you know a farmer that you think would get something out of the podcast, tell them about it. Uh, 
show them how to use their smartphone to do podcast stuff. I mean, it, it's it seems daunting at first, but it can be done. Uh, search Tilt Talk Radio in Apple Podcasts or on Android. I know I use Podcast Addict. Uh, some of the other guys use Podbean or Player FM. You can listen on your computer or smartphone browser by going to tiltagcom slash podcasts. We are available on Amazon Music now, uh, so you could get your Alexa to play our podcast for you. It's a little bit more of a hang-up to try to do it, but hey, it might be worth the effort. And you can, as always, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. Hey, Todd. Hey, everybody. Hi, Todd. Glad you could join us. Todd, yeah. say it. You, we missed it at the beginning. Just oh, say it. I hate all the Tilthies out there. <laughs> like, yeah. There you go. We tried to get your dad to hang around. I just wanted around, to but... make sure I got here to say cool beans. You did? Yes. Always, always a plus. Well, you're in luck because that's where we are. So we'll wrap things up here with some current events. So cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. <laughs> all right. Our cool beans this week. If you're doing starter fertilizer, research shows corn get can get a 5% yield boost using starter. So with the price of fertilizer, if you're thinking about cutting starter, maybe that's not the way to go. We just argued about this this morning. <laughs> Me and Max <laughs> talked about it. You had a, an you intellectual were, discussion. Not, an not a, Yeah, it was an argument. We were just talking options. So who was on what side? Neither one was on a side. I don't think we were just talking about how we feel about it, I guess. It's, it's just talking about where you can cut and what to cut and how it's not like an all-or-nothing game. Yeah, yeah. that's the yeah, that's like, the real that it's one. It's not just like, oh, I'm either going to do this or I'm going to take it all completely. It's like, well, you could go half the rate or you could go a partial rate or something like that. So, yes, that's what the debate was about. Yeah, well, and... and Depending on how you're set up, you know, there's inferro, two by two, there's different ways of getting starter out there. And there's a debate there, too, about which ones are better. Obviously, inferro has yep. risks, but. Well, and now with all the new things precision is doing with putting it on either side of the seed and all that, too, that there's a lot of options. Yeah, do you guys remember the name of that? The, they have a name for that system. Ooh, it's furrow something. Envelop or something like that? or. Oh. It's not in here, but I wonder what the research would say if you did a uh, broadcast between working, you know, worked-in broadcast rather than just straight bulk spreading on the surface. I wonder if that falls somewhere between that five in that five percent efficiency rating. We Max and I were debating that as well. Is placement's a big deal? That don't cut out anything that's banded because that's right next to that plant, and it'll be more efficient. Right. There's a reason we put it in the band. Yes. Yeah. So that sometimes you can get a bigger kick. Out of something like here, Ken Ferry says five gallons of 1030 for oil will give your corn a bigger kick than 300 pounds of broadcast dap. Which I don't know where those numbers are exactly from, but that's what Ken Ferry says. So, so yeah, there's definitely potential for a positive result if you use starter in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, you have to mitigate the risks and go with what your equipment is set up to do. So, um, as you're making these fertilizer decisions, it's something to keep in the back of your mind that, yeah, you could get a little extra bump from just having that starter, according to Ken Ferry, anyway. And now our That's Corny for this week. And I, I don't know how long ago it was. It had to be within about a month and a half or so that we talked about this, but uh, the first pig 
to human heart transplant has ended in the death of the patient. So after, I think it was just over a month, the person, uh, two months, it was following the procedure according to the University of Maryland. So David Bennett, 57 years old, had issues, needed a transplant, and they, he ended up getting a pig heart. Think, thinking about this more, I think what we talked about originally was the probably more like a year ago when they came up with the idea that they could potentially do this, like the the gene splicing and whatever they did to make the pig heart more. Right. It was a g- genetically edited pig. Yeah. So they're trying to breed like or we, use we, CRISPR. We, so he was a GMO. Yeah. It was a GMO wow, heart. that's yeah. cool. So we talked about that like a year ago, and then the actual surgery happened like a month ago, a month and a half ago, you said? Yeah, it was like two months, I think they said at the beginning of the article. Something there. And if I remember right, the guy couldn't get a human heart, right? For right. some reason, he was... Yep, in, he in, wasn't eligible for a human heart, so that he volunteered to be a guinea pig for this process. Guinea pig, Matt, really? <laughs> yeah. Guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> it fits. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I'm, they, uh, the upside of this story is... Um, they were happy that he lived as long as he did. He passed the milestone, which I think was a month. Usually rejection would occur mm-hmm. earlier than that. Mm-hmm. So um, they're making progress. Obviously, it was experimental. It wasn't anything that they're hanging their hat on that you can go sign up for today. But, um, you know, it's research, and he did volunteer to receive this heart. So something there to be said about that. And they're very excited about how this went. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, we we know pig valves. And the, your father-in-law had. Yeah, he had some pig valves. Yeah, and, so. yeah, that's been common to use parts of pigs' hearts and things like that. But this to use the whole heart is is pretty. Um, it's unbelievable in a way that it it didn't immediately reject it, so that you could live that long like that is is really amazing. No, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked about. Copper, iron, and nickel in the micronutrients and what they do for your plants. In our spotlight, we talked about Invita, the bacterial material that may be available for infero application to help fix nitrogen for your corn and soybeans. Ag History Minute, we talked about the history of fertilization and foliar feeding. And our cool beans this week was... Starter fertilizer, possibly giving you up to a 5% yield boost. That's corny, was the first pig-to-human heart transplant ended with the patient's death. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.